0: And remain standing for the reading of Scripture because I can't pay attention to details. So if you want to get your Bibles out and turn to Mark chapter 10, and we'll stay standing in honor of God's Word. Um, I think we sing better when we're standing in. But that's just me. But if you need to sit, go ahead and sit. Mark uh, chapter 10 um, will be our text. We'll focus in on verse 45, but uh, and I'll also read from 2 Samuel. That's my custom to read from both Testaments of Scripture. Mark chapter 10, and we'll start there, verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called to them, And then over in 2 Samuel 24, you're probably familiar with this passage. David was judged because of his census that he took without God's direction. And uh, God judged him for it because of his pride. And then he stayed the judgment and tells David here in our passage in 2 Samuel 24 to build an altar. And it says in verse 18, And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up. Raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aaronua the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Aaronua looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aaronua went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And he said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be averted from the people. And then Aaronua said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aaronua, gives to the king. And Aaronua said to the king, May the lord your god accept you. But the king said to Aaronua, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the lord my god that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver, and David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And so the Lord responded to the plea for the land. And the plague was averted from Israel. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come and hear your word tonight and to worship together. Bless your word now. We know that uh, it is your holy word and we know we need your spirit to work in our hearts. So bless the preaching of your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So I want to zero in on that last verse from Mark, but uh, before we get there, um, I want to thank the elders for the opportunity to preach uh, and come minister to you tonight. Um, this verse, in Mark's Gospel, 1045, has a special place in my own heart and mind uh, where Jesus says, "...for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." Uh, A long time ago, 1986, some of you were not even in existence yet, right? But this man here was uh, just graduated high school, and God called me to himself, and I became a Christian. And immediately after that, uh, one of the things within the next six months or so, I was in a little group study with uh, some college kids from the church where I was saved, and we went through this book by a pastor that some of you have probably heard of named Chuck Swindoll. And he had written a book called Improving Your Serve. Now it's an old, I don't know what, maybe it's remade as some other title. But the book was basically an exposition of this verse, Mark ten forty-five. How can we improve our service of Christ? Um, with a play on words there, which I liked anyway. But Swindoll is, uh, you know, was amazing for me as a new Christian because I'd never heard any of this stuff. And I needed to know how to serve Christ. You know, it doesn't come natural to us to serve Christ. And we see that here in our passage. Uh, we see uh, that it's not natural. Uh, you look at the first, what happens here with uh, James and John, the first thing, you know, we just look at the context there, what happens, these, these disciples here, Jesus has just told them what? And look at what Jesus tells them. You read the text. Jesus says, I'm going to go and I'm going to (laughs) die. I'm going to be given over not only to the Jews, but I'm going to be given over to the Gentiles. I'm going to Jerusalem to give my life for you. And now after that, I'm going to be raised from the dead. And immediately after that, it's like the disciples are just completely tone deaf. You know, they're there and they're going... Yeah, okay, what can I get out of this? Can you imagine? I mean, put yourself in that situation where you're, you're uh, with Jesus. This is somebody they'd already spent almost three years with. They know him. He knows them. Uh, remember back, these disciples, where were they when Jesus called them? Well, they were fishing, right? They were getting ready to go fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They were nobodies. Jesus comes along and says, come follow me. And they drop their nets and they go and they follow Jesus. So they're fishermen from the Sea of Galilee. Fishermen, you know, how many fishermen are there? Have they been in the history of the world? Bazillions. It's a no-name job. It's called catching fish so you can live, so you can eat. Farmers, These these are people without a name. Unrecognizable, would have been in the dustbin of history. We'd have never heard of them. But Jesus called them out of that, called him to himself. Well, they're called to be what? Disciples, right? Disciples. What's a disciple? What is that? Well, a disciple is somebody who follows someone else with some discipline and with the idea that you would become like the person that you're following. That's what a disciple is, essentially. So you would think that they would be paying attention to what Jesus has just said. Maybe what Jesus said he's going to do, they might have to follow suit in some manner or form. And maybe, if they're paying attention, maybe they should be thinking, huh, that's not an easy thing to face. I mean, he just said he was going to be turned over to the Gentiles that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to die, that all of these terrible things are going to happen to him and he's bound for Jerusalem. Maybe we want to just come along and say, are you all right, dude? I don't know. In my ministry as a chaplain, if somebody comes to me and says, my mom just died and I lost my brothers and sisters in a tragic car accident, I might want to sit and just go, hold on a minute. How are you doing with all that? Right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that would be what they would do? But their problem is, this is why I say it's a prayer problem, they're not really listening to what Jesus is saying with an idea of what he's really saying. They're listening for an angle for themselves. This is what I'm talking about, service, right? Who are they ultimately serving? They want to serve themselves. I love the irony here when they say to him, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Right, teacher, Lord, we want you to do what we whatever we ask of you. Who are they saying is Lord? Themselves or Jesus? You see how he's the teacher, he's the Lord, but they're saying, "I, we want you to do what." We, I mean, if I was a teacher once, and uh, if a student ever said, "Hey, I want you to sit down and we're I'm going to run the class today," I'd be like, "Yeah, no, we're not doing that." You know, I've been around enough middle schoolers to know what that's going to turn into. No, that would be crazy, wouldn't it? Now, I know that happens sometimes. I'm, my wife's giving me the glare back there. Sometimes it can happen at homeschool. <laughs> but teachers teach, right? The Lord is the Lord. We're not the Lord. In fact, this is kind of the root. If This is the name it and claim it movement, isn't it? Do what we say, God. Isn't that what Adam essentially thought too, right? Eve, we, we want to go our own way. We want you to be our servant. You made us... For us, and now we're going to declare that we're your. You're here to serve us. That's not the way it should work, though. The disciple. We are the disciples. Okay, Jesus is the master. So they had prayer problems. They had prayer problems because they weren't listening. Now I want to. My challenge to you, as you're thinking through this, is in your prayer. Have you ever considered that maybe listening? to what God wants of you and what God's saying to you is just as important, if not more so than asking God for stuff. I don't think that ever came into their mind, that maybe we should listen to what Jesus is saying. He says he's going to have to suffer. He's going to suffer, and then he's going to be raised from the dead. What is this suffering business? They weren't listening. Now, there's a difference, right, between hearing the words and actually listening, that's become evident to me as a man who struggles with hearing loss. I might hear the words, but am I hearing what you're really saying? Am I paying attention to the context? Am I looking you in the eye and feeling your pain, feeling what's really going on with you? Am I even noticing what's going on here? They didn't have any of that. They didn't have any of that. And I, I think when we're serving God and we're not listening, that's a problem with our service. And I don't think it's just with God, it also impacts our relationships. So we'll talk about this second point for a minute, but but think about listening in your relationships. Failure to listen. How's that work? How's that work? How's that work in your family? When I am not listening to my wife. I might be hearing the words, but I'm not paying attention to what she's really telling me. One time I'll give you a funny story about that, okay? So this is how listening can have a negative impact on your relationships, but or not listening. So we were teaching together and uh, we taught right down the hall. We I taught second grade and I taught fifth grade. And I had 10-year-olds and she had you know seven, eight-year-olds. And we both met in the hallway during a during a break. The kids were on a break in their classroom, so it was just us. And we were, you know, talking right in the middle of the hallway there, and she looked at me, and she goes, honey, you need to brush your teeth. Your breath smells terrible. I drink a lot of coffee. I got bad breath, right? But me, being a young man, I was like, yeah, really, my breath can't be that bad. So I grabbed her, held her by her shoulders, and I said, oh, really? And I went, <laughs> right in her face, right? And she's like, yuck, get that out of my face. Well, the joke was on me because the other second grade teacher came walking down the hall and she got about 10 or 12 feet past us. And she looked around and she goes, did some kindergartner poop his pants in the hallway here? And I went, my breath is really bad. And I looked at Kristen. I said, why didn't you tell me? Right. And she's like, I did. I did tell you. You see what I'm talking about? I wasn't listening. I heard what she said, but I didn't hear what she said. I didn't take it to heart and go get a toothbrush and brush my teeth. The joke was on me. I wonder, in our home lives, how just listening a little more might impact our marriages. Instead of just reacting with anger, maybe asking some more questions like maybe they could have with Jesus. Jesus, how are you doing? Jesus, that's pretty heavy. How can we help you with what you're about to go through? How can we pray for you? How can we support you? How can we love you instead of, what's in it for me? Maybe listening is more important than we realized, particularly in prayer, but also in our relationships. Think about how listening... Uh, And I found this in my counseling of couples throughout the Navy. It's so important. Um, It's the unspoken things, right? The unspoken things, the the way people's expressions. You know, sometimes people say things, but you look on their face and you're like, that is powerful. There's something going on inside there. We got to open our eyes and we got to be saying, I'm thinking about others and not just myself, So what we're talking about here is selfless service, selfless service. We're talking about putting the needs of others ahead of ourselves. So look over in Philippians 2 or you can just hear me read it. But I think Philippians 2 is an incredible commentary on this passage. Philippians chapter 2 is one of those passages that we love to read, but we just don't like to do it. The Apostle says here, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. What is the apostle saying there? The path to greatness lies not in promoting ourselves, but in promoting others. The path to greatness lies in promoting Christ first and laying down our own desires, our own needs, and thinking of Christ first and thinking of others second. The past couple of weeks, I've been in Newport, Rhode Island at the Chaplain Corps Advanced Course. I've had a lot of time to reflect on service. We talked about that. The the theme of the week, which is a, a theme of the Chaplain Corps, is called to serve. What does it mean to serve? Who are we serving? See, service is about meaning, is about purpose. What is our purpose? Well, the catechism answer is pretty easy, isn't it? Westminster Confession of Faith. What is the chief end of man? to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. What is your purpose? What is your meaning? Is it all about you, like the sons of Zebedee here, the sons of thunder? Are you looking to get ahead? Or are you looking to put Christ first in all things? Are you looking to follow His example? And that example, Jesus reminds them, they're going to follow his, His example. It's going to involve suffering, as He points out in verses Thirty-eight and thirty-nine. He says, "You don't know what you're asking, but you're going to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized." What is Jesus talking about there? He's not talking about water baptism, not talking about getting a sip of water. He's saying you're going to drink the 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 judgment that's going to come upon you, the suffering. Because the idea of drinking the cup there of the Old Testament, you drink the cup, it fills up with wrath, and you drink it. It's like a poison. It burns your soul. And so when Jesus goes to the cross, he's drinking the cup of God's wrath. He's taking it upon himself. And he's saying, you're going to suffer. Not in the same way that I'm suffering because yours is not substitutionary like mine is. But you will suffer. You will have to be baptized. You'll have to endure this trial. You're going to do that. But the crown that comes and the places of honor, those are not mine to give. They're God the Father's to give. So as servants of Christ... Here, if we are following Christ, we've got to know there's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some pain. The Christian life is not always easy, but we put others first. We put others first because Christ put us first. That's, in a nutshell, the Christian life. And if we do that, our relationship problems that the disciples had here Will be much lessened. Think about how this request, this prayer request, these prayer problems, think about how it impacted their relationship there. What happened to the other disciples? Oh, you guys want to get up on us. Man, they're thinking, why didn't I ask Jesus for that first? You know, I could have been first place next to him. But you, you got, we're better than you. You see how that turned the whole conversation away from Christ and his sufferings and turned it into it's about us and our bickering. How often does that happen? (laughs) I've seen churches that are destroyed by petty bickering. Everybody's trying to get a better position. Thankfully, I haven't seen that here. But, you know, we're sinners. We do that. We look to jockey for position. We want to promote ourselves. And Jesus is rebuking them for that. He's saying the path to greatness lies in suffering, lies in holding back, pleasing yourself, and in serving and loving others. He rebukes the whole group. And how does he do that? What does he do? Well, he tells them, whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is amazing here, and this is the grace to overcome. I want you to think about the context of this passage and the wonderful patience of Christ because his patience with the disciples, is his patience with us. When we sin, when we fall short, when we're self-centered in our service, He doesn't just kick us to the curb. I mean, it's, I'm amazed. I mean Jesus could have just said, y'all are a bunch of knuckleheads. You know, I'm getting rid of you, you're not even you don't even care about me. If I'd have been in charge there, I'd have been like, yeah, you're out. I got to go to the cross and y'all don't even care. Get out, you're fired. Thankfully, I wasn't the one in charge. Jesus is much more gracious. I want you to just take a look at your Bibles, okay? I want you to see the context here. So take a look back to the passage right before ours we read tonight. talks about this incident of the rich young man. You see that story there? Y'all are familiar with it. You can read it later. A rich man comes to Jesus, right? And he says, how can I get eternal life? And what does Jesus tell him? Sell everything and come follow me, right? And the guy goes away grieved because he doesn't want to give up his riches. He's proud. He's in in it for himself. He's serving himself. He doesn't recognize Jesus as Lord. On the other end of our passage, there's a passage that says, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. He's a blind man. He's not a rich man. He's the opposite of a rich man. He's blind. He's poor. He's a beggar. He cries out, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal me. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus hears him and Jesus heals him. He doesn't have prayer problems because he's humble and he's needy and he goes to Jesus. And I think those passages are put there by Mark, by design, putting it together, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because I think what we're learning here and what I've learned from this passage is I've got a choice. Who do I want to be? The rich man who serves himself doesn't want to serve Jesus, or do I recognize that the reality is I'm blind Bartimaeus. I need the grace of God. In fact, without the grace of God, there's nothing I can do. I can't see. I'm blind. I've got no hope. But with Jesus, I've got everything. And right in the middle of these two passages, what do we have? The disciples trying to jockey for first place playing the role of the rich young man when really they're blind Bartimaeus, but they don't realize it. And you know what's amazing about that? I found amazing for me personally reflecting on this passage. That's me. I'm them. And Jesus loves me. He doesn't reject me. He says, you know what? In in your knuckleheadedness, in your pride, in your superiority complex and your lack of thought about me and coming to me in prayer and not wanting to know what I've got to say to you and bringing your demands before me, I love you. I'll call you on it, but I love you anyways, and I'm not going to let you go because you're mine. And he says here he came, the Son of Man came to be served. Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that, I think, is the key passage. Jesus came to do two things, to, to serve and to give. Now, his giving was giving that we can't do. He gave his life for us because of his incredible love. And that's our motivation to overcome. If Christ gave his all for us, how can we not give our all for him? And if Christ came to serve, and to give, then maybe we ought to reflect on how we can serve and how we can give. And I am thankful tonight for this church because this church has done an amazing job of serving me and my family and of giving to me and my family. So I'm thankful for you all. And I know we don't have it perfectly, but tonight I just want us to reflect on the goodness of God in our lives. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that despite our selfishness and our sin and our petty maneuvering and our sometimes total lack of thinking about you and uh, all that you've endured for us, that you love us and that your love is secure. It's the one thing in this life that is secure. And that your love helps us to overcome, help us in our, Prayer lives to be more attuned and listening to you. Help us in our relationships to be listening and loving one another and laying down our own desires for the sake of Christ and for the sake of those that we're called to serve. And help us, Lord, to uh, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Bless us now, we pray, as we close this service, singing your praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.